I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today on the show, we're bringing you back one of the most loved episodes from 2023. You're going to be hearing about how to pursue your career dreams with Simran Kaur from Girls That Invest. Simran shares her story of moving from an optometrist to becoming a founder of Girls That Invest. You're going to love her story. If you haven't listened to this already, enjoy. If you have, it's worth a re-listen. Let's get into it. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name's Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and the founder at Boldside. Oh my goodness, we're kicking off the new year with an absolute banger. Today, we're joined by Simran Kaur, who's the founder of Girls That Invest. And Sim on this episode tells her career story. She has had an amazing and wild career journey. She went from being an optometrist to founding a media company that has just gone absolutely gangbusters. And do people still say gangbusters? I don't even know, but let's leave it. If you don't know Sim, let me tell you a bit about her. Simran is a globally recognized investment expert who founded the money media company Girls That Invest. Her podcast has gained over 2.5 million downloads and has become the world's number one investing podcast for women. She's been featured on TEDx, Forbes, Vogue, Business Insider, and Oxford Women in Business. Simran's mission is simple, putting money in the hands of women. And I just have to say, she's done so much and achieved so much in her career, but she is the most humble person. And when she tells her story, it's amazing to hear some of the learnings, some of the failures and how she's dealt with imposter syndrome along the way. If you don't follow Girls That Invest after this podcast, go find them on social media. You are going to love what you learn from Simran Kaur on this episode. Hi, Sim. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for today. Oh, we have wanted to interview you about your career change for ages. And I think I might have talked to you about it maybe back sometime in 2022 when I we were at the My Millennial Money Tour. Yes, I, I remember it was it was a very like, we should do this. And I was like, yes, we should do this. And we just went separate ways. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, like six months, nine months later, however long it's been, here we are finally making it happen. And I want to dig in today to your career story. So you've had this huge journey over the last couple of years. And the thing that I love about what you've done in your career, Sim, is you've taken some really good risks and calculated risks. And I want to dig into how you've done that. But to kick us off, I'd love the really high level overview about your recent career change. Oh, absolutely. I think it's probably one that I never expected or kind of saw coming. But to begin with, my first job out of university was very niched down. I was an optometrist. And so that involved like training for five years to one specific job and to do one specific job very well. And on the side, I was learning about money and personal finance just because our university had this really great approach where they would say, hey, take your papers, but also take one or two papers outside of the curriculum. And so I did a marketing paper just because I was like interested in 
you know, what marketing was and how it worked. In my head, I was like, oh, I might want to own my own optometry practice one day. I should learn how to do business and market it. And then outside of university, I, um, through Yale, did like a financial market certificate. And so long story short, my optometry career ended end of 2021, started like January 2020. Um, and I switched over to talking about money and financial education. And that is such a huge jump. <laughs> Absolutely massive. And it's really interesting hearing your and your story is featured in our book, Sort Your Career Out. You can pre-order it now. Shout out to that. You have had this journey and it's kind of been fast-tracked in terms of you, you started in optometry and then you started your side hustle, really, Girls That Invest, and it's just gone absolutely nuts. Tell us about the moment that you decided to make the thing that you're doing on the side your main game. Well, I think it was a very, like, drawn out, like, unintentionally and, like, painfully drawn out process. It wasn't me like waking up one day and going, okay, I've hit X amount of money, therefore I should just, like, quit now, or I've got, you know, this much savings, therefore I can go and do the next thing. I had so much analysis paralysis. I was making pros and cons lists. I was talking to my friends. I became that person that you know, you've always got that one friend and she's like, should I break up with this person? And everyone's like, yes. Oh my God. Like, it's so clear. <laughs> and she's like, well, I'm not sure yet. And then you're just like, and then she'll come back like two weeks later. That was me, but with my career. And I was like, should I let it go guys? And everyone was like, yes, let it go. And I was like, oh, I'm not ready though. Like what will people say? Or like, I've spent so hard studying. What if it doesn't work out? And so I, want to first and foremost apologize to all my friends and family for like dealing with me during that time because <laughs> you can imagine it's super frustrating for them when it's clear as day and it was just when I did hit a certain number and that was 12 months of my salary or my living expenses saved up through my business and I was like okay well now that I have a year or a year and a bit worth to support myself with like you know as if I was working I can quit. And that's when I felt comfortable. So it was almost not as risky as I would have assumed I needed, but I, just, I needed a little bit more money than expected. That's a really great insight into, as an external looking on, we can make assumptions about people's decision making. We can often think that it just kind of happened for them or they just decided on a whim, okay, cool, now I'm ready. I love hearing your story, Sim, of how you had to go through that extended journey. And I love that analogy of like the friend that stays in a bad relationship for too long or whatever. What are the things that you felt like were holding you back that you had to overcome? I wrote down a pros and cons list and I was actually looking over it um, recently because I just had, you know, a few months ago, my one year anniversary back in October in 2022. And I saw that some of the things that were holding me back were really interesting because now they do not bother me whatsoever. But back then they were huge in my mind. There were these big mountains. And one of them was disappointing my mentors at work. I had um, two bosses that were optometrists that were training me. And I was like, what will they say? Like these are some guys that are, you know, they've done it for 20, 30, 40 years and they absolutely love it. And I think my issue was I loved it too. Like I wasn't like, oh, I hate optometry and I love podcasting. Like it's a clear decision. I was like, I love both. But 
how do you make that choice and how do I not disappoint people? I think the other concern I had was, um, you know, when you go out on your own, it really is up to you. Like having a stable paycheck is what I like to call golden handcuffs. Like it feels great every single week to get, you know, a thousand dollars into your account or however much it is, you can spend it however you want. And you know, it's constant when you own your own business or you start freelancing, especially if you have other costs, like I had a mortgage, I was just like, well, what happens if that runs out? Like, am I risking it all? And I think those two were my main concerns. It's such a good point around, okay, you've identified your core concerns and the things that are risks. So the risk is that, well, you can't pay your mortgage because you don't get that income coming in. Or the risk is that your income fluctuates and having those cash flow problems becomes a genuine and real challenge. I love that in your pros and cons list, you've got this method for identifying what are all those dynamics that you need to overcome. And then you save up and have that 12 months and a little bit extra of your salary saved. So you know, well, I've got this timeline to work with. I've got this strategy to address some of those fears and and concerns. And then it helps you to make that decision more easily and overcome that risk. Would you say that was the case for you? Absolutely. And I realized I like when I hit that number, it wasn't like I hit the number on Monday and Tuesday, I sent in my resignation. Like even when knowing I could like financially afford it, I was still so cautious because I was like, oh my God, like, you know, so many things could go wrong. And so one thing that I found really helped is I went, okay, my mortgage is almost $500 a week. And I reached out to some um, people that I had done work for in the past for their social media. And I said, hey, I would love to work 10 hours a week for $50 an hour. And that gives me $500. And I just need this to um, support myself into Girls at Invest. So I've got in the back of my mind, something coming in as cash, um, as opposed to something sitting in the bank account that I'm draining. And it's going to make sure that I don't lose my home. And I was very lucky. I had done work for them before. So they were very flexible and they're like, absolutely jump on board. And so that just helped me like mentally keep afloat. Yeah. And can I ask, are you still doing that now? I have moved into consulting with them now. So they were such a great brand. I obviously like let it go as time went on and they were like, look, they were the ones that were like, Simran, your time is better spent on your business than ours. Like, let's be honest, we don't need you like posting our social media posts anymore. (laughs) And I was like, you're probably right. So I do social media consultancy with them and it's more, um, I think, beneficial for both of us. But I still hold on to that relationship and it's so fun that, I, I just still enjoy it. Oh, I love that so much, Sim, how you've put, you've had these strategies and they're almost like a fallback strategy in some ways to go, okay, I'm, I'm making this decision less risky. All those things that you've done have made it easier. Can I ask, because many of our listeners struggle with this idea of taking career risks. Like you said, the golden handcuffs can feel like we're trapped where we are and we don't really know how to push past that fear. Would you say, are you a risk averse person or, or how do you many, like, how would you see yourself in that space? See, I like to think I like taking risks, but then with like actually doing it, I got so much like cold feet and it took me a while. Like I thought I would be the kind of person that could just quit, you know, and, and kind of do the next thing. But I, 
I grew up watching um, a lot of people around me not take risk and play it safe. And I don't blame them for doing that. They came from backgrounds where they were the first to move to this country, um, you know, in, in their generation. And so they had to play it safe, keep their jobs, but they always had dreams of owning their own businesses. And I would see almost life pass them by in, in the most like kindest way possible. And you look at them now and, and they're like, man, you know, I'm maybe maybe it's too late for me to start that business. Like I have so many more responsibilities than I had like five years ago or 10 years ago. So that pushed me to realize if I don't take action now, I will get more comfortable. Like if I'm in my 20s or my 30s, I have more wiggle room to make changes compared to Simran in her 50s. Like I'm not going to start that dream business or that dream career down the track. I need to take action now. That is a really good insight and lots of our listeners will be in their, you know, 20s to early 30s and thinking this thing through. So they might be right now thinking about 2023 and going, I feel this desire to make a change, but how do I know if it's the right time? And it's this this question of, I think there's so many things in there. It's imposter syndrome, it's fear, it's the financial factors of how do I actually make sure that I've got those buffers in place. I'd love to know, did you have people, mentors, people in your life that were giving you advice that helped you step out? Oh, absolutely. And one of them was, um, I I guess, more of like a, a a friendship that was very helpful with Glenn himself, um, just being like, you know, I think you could do this as a career and like, you're so good at this. Like you should, you know, start like take the podcast full time. And why are you still kind of doing this old job? And in my head, I was like, these are the thoughts I've had myself, but just to have someone externally who's in the industry that I want to go into validate my feelings of like, I should probably make this jump was so helpful. Even just that one sentence just like had such an impact on me. And so if you're listening and you're like, how do I know to make that shift? If there is someone that you can say, hey, I'd love to take you out for a coffee and ask you a few questions, see if they can like, you know, work out with you if they can tell that, you know, you'd enjoy that industry or it's the right move to make. And they might not have the right answer, but it was just such a huge boost to my confidence in that decision. Yeah, there's so much in having mentors who are that little bit further along in their journey, potentially, maybe they've taken a few of the risks that you want to take and they they actually show you, you can do it, like you can actually do this. And um, I know Glenn James, uh, the founder of My Millennial Money, if you're not familiar with him, is one of those voices of take good risks. Your career needs you to take good risks if you want it to grow. And so I'd encourage you, if you're wanting to look at something new in 2023, find a mentor. Start there. Before you make a change, get a really good mentor. Find them. I love what you're saying, Sim. Take them out for a coffee and pick their brains. Ask them good questions about what they've learned and how they've navigated some of those big career decisions. I'd love to get your insight on this idea of backing yourself and self-confidence because I know, well, I assume that's been something you've had to develop and build. Tell me about what that looks like for you. Oh, backing yourself and self-confidence. 
When it comes to career confidence or just confidence in general to switch over, I think mine was two pieces of advice that I heard that just absolutely changed how I viewed my career and it had such a monumental effect. The first was someone saying, look, you think you don't know a lot because you're like in your career or what you're transitioning to, you're like, I know a lot of things, but there's absolutely so much more that I don't know or I'm not aware of, like, for example, podcasting or equipment or, you know, running a media company. But the truth is, you know, like maybe 80% more than the average person, but in your head, you feel like, you know, 20% because you're so advanced that there's so many different avenues that you can go down. So first understanding that it's not that, you know, 20%, it's that, you know, 80%. It's a lot more than you think. Not everyone knows all the little details and the minute experiences that you've had and that brings so much value. And then the second thing that I found really helpful, which might be a bit controversial, but it was this little saying that I had, like, there's always going to be someone not as smart as you, but more courageous than you. And they're going to get ahead because they're the ones that are going to go, oh, I might not know how this works, but like, let me buy a microphone and let me start recording and let me make mistakes and then learn as I go. And in the four months that it takes you to like decide to do it, they've gone out and done it and learned and gotten ahead. And that little fear was almost like part of the, just like part of the motivation to get it done. Like you won't know it all, but you won't be any better off if you don't try. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm having a moment. So (laughs) That is so good around, you know, there's people that aren't smarter than you, but they're more courageous and they're, they're making it happen. And I think that focus on courage is so big. Like for me, this year, starting my business, Bold Side has all about, been all about being more bold, like stepping out and it's a real tough place to be in. And I've commented actually on a person I know on LinkedIn's post, they talked about learning and how we learn. And for me, 2022, if I reflect back over the whole year, has been learn by failing. Yes. Oh my goodness. Like just, just fail. It's like, and again, this is probably like one of my like favorite things to say, but I, I say I fail upwards and that's how I learn because that is just like I'd rather try it and have someone say you know what you could improve your audio quality or do you know what the way you speak like I would end my sentences instead of being like the share market did this I'd be like the share market did this and it would almost end like a question and I I wouldn't have perfected those things if I had just thought about them for six months but by doing them and being told and improving like just one percent every episode or improving one percent on social media content every time we post those things did more work for me than perfecting my craft before I began. And the funny thing about that is you actually can't perfect it until you begin. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That is also true. Like you can't, you, you can't nail it until you start doing it. And I think that's the fear for most of us. It's it. The perfectionism monster shows up and tries to stop us from failing when really what we need to do in order to learn and grow our careers, we have to fail. And so for me, I've just started to go, I've actually started to crave those fail moments. Like we put out this project uh, with My Millennial Career that, and 
we didn't get as much interest as we hoped and it was a bit of a fail, I guess. And, and I was like, yeah, cool, that's sweet. Now we do it differently. No worries. Like rather than beating yourself up about it, have you found that you're, you've started to enjoy those fail moments? Oh, absolutely. Like I think one of our successes or if, if anyone's sort of familiar with our brand, they would have noticed that we grew very quickly on social media. And I think that might come from the outside as like, wow, she's got her strategy sorted out. But what that really was, was I would post three times every day and some of the content would do well and some of the content would do poorly. And I would almost feel like I was training my brain like a AI machine to be like, okay, do, 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 like those posts don't do well. I'll remember that. But like this other post did well, I'm going to do more of that. And then doing that every single day for months on end, by the time like a year had rolled by, I had in my head a bank of content that I knew would hit every single time because it was tried and tested as opposed to me going, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't know where to begin. Let me come up with the best marketing content strategy and like put up a calendar and spend months and months and months like pre-planning that was just not how I learned. And by doing that, we just got so much more exposure and it just grew the brand so much more quickly. There is so much in that sim that we can take away. Like just, there's something really powerful about quantity. I know we always talk about quality over quantity, but sometimes just getting it out of there, making it happen and tweaking it as you go is the best strategy if you really want to learn and grow your business or grow your career. I'd love to know, have there been, what's been the toughest thing for you in making this change? I think the toughest thing for me is a very privileged tough thing, but I've, I didn't expect it to do as well as it did. And so I'm almost like, what's next? I'm almost like, wow, like all the goals that I had for running, all the audacious goals I had, like, let's turn this into a seven figure brand and let's get the recognition that the brand deserves and, and have us help like people around the world and all that stuff. Now that that started to happen, I'm like, oh no, what's next? Because I'm such a I'm so motivated by goals and so motivated by like the next thing and like learning to be someone in my career where I've gotten things too quickly. I've almost learned to try and slow things down and be like, there should be things to look forward to. And it's a lot of delayed gratification, even within like my personal life. Um, I just try to like, for example, the, I don't know, the dream like microphone boom arm I only got yesterday because I was like, there's just no need for me to have this also quickly. Like let's earn it. So just trying to push things out so there's more room for growth um, is something that I've been trying to do, which is not really an, like a real life problem. That's a very first world problem. Yeah. And I mean, growth, fast paced growth comes with its own challenges. So the quicker you grow, the more you have to like fast track your learning. So that comes with its own set of challenges. And I'm interested to know the other thing that you did, which has been absolutely amazing, your book, Girls That Invest, has gone nuts. Did you hit recently over 30,000 sales on the book? We did. We hit 30,000 sales um, and that was in four months. And again, that was just something that had blown my mind to think that that was even possible. I was like, you know what, 10 grand would be like a dream come true and that would be over years. So it's been awesome. I still recall though, I had such imposter syndrome when the book came out. I was like, 
this is my, you know, my debut book. And I'm sure you, you've probably felt this too. Um, you're, you're almost like, will people like it? Because there's all these pre-orders. Are they just buying it? Because it's a pretty cover. What if they read it and they hate the book? Like you'll always have doubts, even when you do a good job. So I've learned to just shut that off. Like when I have doubt in my head, I'm like, this is just that silly voice. Like that's just silly Sim speaking and silly Sim can say what she wants, but the real Sim does not believe her. Wow. What you're doing there by saying silly Sim and the real Sim is self-distancing. And when you self-distance and you actually, when when we experience imposter syndrome and we can distance ourselves from that, it actually helps us psychologically overcome some of those challenges that we can buy into those lies of I'm not good enough, I don't have what it takes, I'm going to be found out. And I think that's a really cool takeaway. I've been reading this book, The Alter Ego Effect. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. Is it good? It's awesome. We'll put it in the show notes as well as we're going to put Girls That Invest in the show notes because everyone needs to buy it. We want to get to like, you know, 40,000 books sold by the first month of 2023. Uh, So in The Alter Ego Effect, it talks about this idea of creating in your career, creating an alter ego because you have like an enemy voice that tells you you're not good enough, you can't do it, you don't have what it takes. And so it's kind of like that idea of Sasha Fierce, like Beyonce's alter ego of how do you show up? And I love that you're even saying to yourself, that's silly Sim, but the real Sim has got this. Like the real Sim knows her stuff and you've kicked so many goals. Is that just something you've done unintentionally or have you actually proactively thought about that? I guess it's come from trying to deal with the imposter syndrome because like I would be lying if I said I didn't experience it, especially, you know, coming from a background that wasn't, you know, naturally in finance. And while I had like some qualification, I wasn't, you know, turning up being like, oh, this is something I've done for 50 years and now I'm about to retire. And, you know, this is all my information. It was very much like sharing as I go and sharing like Sonia's and and my journey, my my co-host journey. And so I definitely had imposter syndrome and I interviewed a female CEO of a tech company once and she I asked her the same question. I was like, how did you deal with imposter syndrome? Like you're a very young woman in an industry that's like also finance, like a fintech, like that's really hard. And her answer was so funny to me. She was like, I just don't feel it. I just like tell myself it's not real and I don't feel it. And I'm like, okay, like if that works, let me try that too. And so I've just tried to embody like the idea that this imposter syndrome is the like silly little child in my mind that needs just to be put in a corner and like say what you want like I can't stop those thoughts from coming but I I guess like what you said like distance them from who I think I am. Oh it's a really good thing to think about for anyone who is wanting to make a career change to how do you distance yourself from imposter syndrome and how do you show up as the real you and take courage and take action We're going to go to a quick break and when we come back, we're going to hit Simran with a deep question about burnout. If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role 
or if it's time to quit your job. You can find our book wherever you get good books from or you can listen on the audiobook, sort your career out and make more money. Now let's get back to the show. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I want to know, because I know in passing we kind of talked about this when we caught up in Melbourne at that event, and this is not on the question list, so <laughs> I'm going rogue, but I know you've experienced, I guess, a bit of burnout. And that's one of the tough things about when you make a career change, you you have to grow really rapidly, but it can come at a cost. What's been your experience with burnout, Sim? Me and burnout have been close friends for a number of years now. <laughs> we, we hang out every day and it's um, been really interesting. I think if someone's like listening to this or has seen the journey and gone like, wow, like so many things have like worked out, you know, and I would say a lot of luck was involved as well as a bit of hard work, like, you know, a lot of privilege was involved and how quickly... I went from, okay, should I quit my job to like, okay, this is actually working for me. Um, Something obviously has to give or like some balls that you juggle have to drop. And that was my personal life. And it was what I did outside of my career. And it was what eventually led to burnout. I recall like when um, I was kind of sharing this information, you know, with the My Millennial Money team uh, last year, I was saying that I didn't understand burnout and I didn't really believe it either. And looking back, that's so naive of me. But I was like, oh, you know what? Like, how can I burn out if I do what I love? Like, yes, I'm working long hours, um, but it's one for the greater good. It's for like I'm providing really helpful information for our community. I'm creating a business that is like a dream of mine. Like, And Sonia would be like, you should you know, slow down or you should take a break. And I'd be like, oh, I don't need to because I love my work. And she'd go, okay, like whatever you say. But it got to the point where I would be in like a spa and I would check my Gmail. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like that is, you know, like I am in a hot tub. There is no need to be checking my emails right now. I would be writing my book and trying to do something else and then something else would pop up. I remember getting one email And it wasn't even that the email was bad. It was just one extra email. And I just burst out crying. And I was like, this is horrendous. And I I guess this is very odd, but I'll share this with you, Shell, because this feels like a safe space. I videoed, (laughs) like I just put my phone down and I was just crying to my camera, like talking it out. And I kept that video and I'm obviously never going to post it. And I hope no one ever hacks my iCloud. But it was me doing that so that there was physical evidence 
in my camera role of like, this is what happens to you when you, you know, you work yourself to the ground. Like that was very hard. And look at you, you're so like, you're ugly crying, you're stressed out. You don't want to go back there again. And that has been helpful when I start to go, oh, you know, I could stay in the office a little bit later or I could take on that extra project. I'm like, no, I don't want to be that person again. Wow. I I feel like I'm having all these like <laughs> series of mind blown moments. That is so raw. And thank you for sharing that because that's a really powerful takeaway of having that physical evidence to show this is where I got to when I didn't look after myself. Yeah, I'm someone that will very quickly move on to the next thing and forget about, you know, that tough moment. It's very easy for me to be like, oh, like, you know, it wasn't that bad. Um, So it was just a good way to be like cementing the fact that burnout is real. It does have an effect and it's it creeps up on you and then it hits you like a brick. Yes, it creeps up on you and then it hits you like a brick. Exactly. That is exactly what happens. And for anyone who talks, it's really interesting, anyone who talks about burnout defines it in a moment. Like you said, I got this one email and it tipped you over the edge. For me, when I had my burnout experience, I was on the stage at an all-staff meeting in front of, I don't know, 150 people and I, it hit me on stage doing this meeting, hopped off the stage and was like, I got to leave. And I left and didn't go back for three months. And when we have these moments, it's, it's simmering in the background, but it's like we don't see it. Mm. And then all of a sudden, all those things that we did, like emailing in the hot tub when you should just be enjoying yourself or working till 10 o'clock every night for however long, those things add up and we, we need to prioritise refueling and replenishing. What do you do now to refuel? I have tried to put some systems in place and like, mind you, this has taken months and months. It wasn't like, you know, burnout is bad on Monday and then Friday I like was strict with my systems. But over time I found that separating one physical um, location. So I've got like a very tiny little corner office um, that's like a three minute drive from my house just so I can stop working from home and like have separation between work and my, my bedroom Little things like not, you know, like sometimes you do an email from home, not doing it on the bed and doing it on the desk so that like that separates things as well. But I've also found trying to take the time to say no has been important and really hard for me to do because I'm such a yes man. Like I think that's been part of the reason why we've grown to be able to be like, yes, I'll do this. Oh, you need this last minute? Absolutely. Like you want me to jump on this? I'll, I'll do it. And that's helped the growth, but that's not sustainable. And so I remember I was in Canada and a news um, company wanted me to jump on and like chat about um, something in New Zealand, but that would have been like 1am Canadian time. And I'll be honest, like if this was me a year ago, I would have done it. I would have been like, absolutely. Like I'll, I'll stay up. And I was like, you know what? No, like I, I just don't think that's good for me and I'm not going to show up as a better person the next day for work and I'm just going to have to pass on it. One thing that I have found very helpful as well is when I'm on holiday, not only do I mute my apps that I usually mute, I delete them. So there is no Slack. There is no Gmail. I, I was away for my birthday a few weeks ago and 
I put out an out of office email and a brand reached out to me and was like, you know, could, could you, could we do this? I'm just sending you a text because your email said out of office. And I deleted that text message. I was like, I'm not working with you. <laughs> if you want to like text me while I'm away, like that's, that's not happening. So just setting strong boundaries. Gee, that's annoying. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I'm like, who are they? That is so rude. Like, let, let people have their holiday in peace. <laughs> I think the, uh, the part that, like, got to me was my phone number was not in that out-of-office email. It wasn't, like, text me if there's an emergency because I was like, I, I work in a media company. There's no emergency. Like, no one is dying if I'm not there. Totally. I mean, I love what you've learned around knowing what to say no to. And sometimes you feel like if you say no, will the next opportunity come along? Like, does this yes lead to another opportunity to another opportunity? Or if I say no, am I actually missing out on something? For me, understanding what I say yes and I say no to in my career often comes down to knowing my values. So I go back to, well, what do I value in my personal life? I'd love to hear from you, Sim, what are your values? Oh, what are my values? That's a good question. I think I'm still finding myself and I'm still trying to understand. Um, and I think this has come from the burnout where like Sim, like Simran Kaur and Sim from Girls That Invest has become like one person or one identity. And I can't like, I don't leave my work and go, oh yeah, like now I can do the fun hobbies that I have. I'm like, oh, I'm still thinking about work. When it comes to the values that I uphold, I guess they're the same ones that I have for my business because I haven't been able to separate the two. But it's things like transparency. I think that's number one for me. And that comes out in the work that we do in the podcast and and our socials where we share like all of our numbers, how much the business has made, how much we make, um, you know, where we spend our money on. But also just being transparent as a human and just being someone that goes, look, there's a lot of like smoke and mirrors when it comes to how we present ourselves. And if I can be my most authentic self, that brings me peace. I don't have to remember to try to be someone. I am just who I am. And I think that has just really helped in my personal life, but also in my career. And I would say the second most important value to me is just being, it's a little bit cheesy, but just like being reliable and being someone that shows up, but not just shows up to work, shows up for myself and shows up for my friends and someone that shows up in, you know, all the other areas. And I'll be honest, like there's been moments where I'm like, wow, I just haven't been a good friend or a good daughter or a good sister because I've focused on my career too much. And just, you know, being reliable in all areas of my life is a huge value. I love both of those so much, Sim, and I can see both of those values come to life in who you are. Like you are transparent. I loved hearing on your podcast when you tell what you earn, like you're just so open about it. And those two values then guide how you make these big decisions in your career. So you can see those things woven through girls that invest. and, And I love understanding that about you. Okay, Sim. Oh my gosh, there's been so much gold in this episode. We're going to close out with some rapid fire questions for you. So I'm going to hit you with it. The first one, what's the best or worst career advice you've ever received? Oh, the best or worst career advice I've ever received. I think the best has been take advice from someone that's done it. So if you want business advice, only take business advice from someone that has a business. I think that's really helped. I guess you probably want a worst as well. (laughs) Well, go for it. Yeah, tell us the worst. 
I think the worst career advice I've been given is just like to stick out the old career that you have if you don't like it. Like you don't, there's, what is that? Like sunken, sunken cost fallacy. Sunk cost. Yeah. Mm. Play it safe. I think you said that before, the golden handcuffs and playing it safe. I think we would get to the end of our career and we would regret those times we played it safe. Oh, a hundred percent. All right, next one. What's the one thing we need to change at work? Oh, the one thing we need to change at work is just normalizing being out of the office. Like I have sometimes sent emails to people and they will be like, I am out of the office. I am so sorry. Like it is my birthday. And in my head, I'm like, why do we feel like we need to apologize for not showing up to work at all times? Like we're not Like we shouldn't be accessible at all times. This is not a good thing that technology is allowed to happen. Totally. Love it. And the last one, what's one final thing you'd say to our listeners who are weighing up a career change? I know it is easier said than done, but you would rather be someone that has tried it and realized it has worked or hasn't than someone that's lived with regret because As I mentioned earlier, there will be someone that doesn't know as much as you, but they will be more courageous than you. And to see them live the career dreams that you have was the motivation I needed to move. Simran Kaur, this conversation has been so good. Oh my gosh. I know I was so pumped for us to have this discussion, but wow, I have gone away. I'm going to have to listen back multiple times because there's just so many amazing insights that you've given us. Thank you so much. And I just want to know where can people find more about you? Oh, well, firstly, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure and it's such great questions. Like I have thoroughly enjoyed this and hopefully for those listening at home, there are a few things you can take away. If you want to find out more about Girls That Invest, you can follow us on Instagram at Girls That Invest. That's kind of our main hub, but Otherwise, it's just been such a pleasure and I'm very, very excited for your book to come out very shortly. I cannot wait. Oh, me neither. I'm pumped. So anyone who wants to make a career change, listen to this podcast on repeat multiple times and buy the book. You won't regret it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sim, for hanging out. Thank you. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily, and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.